This is Dr. Carissa Hines of Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Information without understanding is not very helpful. Talk with a doctor and feel like you're talking to a friend. Good morning, good morning, Atlanta. This is Dr. Carissa Hines, and I am the host of Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I hope everyone has had a great week. We are here for our second show, and I am once again honored and grateful and thankful uh, and excited to bring you medical information that has a conversational feel. Um, You know, of course, uh, many times I have heard people say that when a doctor is talking to them, it feels that they are talking down to them or talking over their head. And of course, this is not going to be helpful in terms of helping you to get the full understanding of medical information that you need in order to protect your health or even improve your health. So here we are. This week, we will have our first guest, and I am so excited to bring her on. She'll be on with us in about another 10 or 11 minutes. Um, This week, we're talking about kidney health, uh, and particularly kidney health and hypertension. As we know, um, hypertension is a devastating disease uh, because of the consequences of hypertension. And we also have um, a lot of people of color in communities of color, I should say, that are affected by hypertension and all of the consequences of uncontrolled hypertension. So a very, very important topic. Uh, And a lot of people, I think, don't realize how important the kidneys are to maintaining good health. So I'll give you a little bit of background so that way when our guest, Dr. Deidre Cruz, uh, comes on with us this week, um, you'll have a little bit of a background, right? So let's talk about your kidneys. So the function of your kidneys are to filter blood. Um, Your kidneys are amazing organs, excuse me, who filter uh, about a half a cup of blood every minute. And their purpose is to remove waste from the blood um, that are byproducts of all of the metabolic processes that go on in other places of the body. Um, It also removes waste uh, and removes excess water in the form of urine um, and also maintains fluid balance by removing that water uh, in, in the form of urine. It also removes acids that are produced um, by cells that can be uh, harmful to our what we call homeostasis or balance uh, in the body. And you know we all have heard about a pH balance where our bodies have a pH balance that is uh, optimal to maintain in order to have good health as well. So it help, the kidneys help to maintain a healthy balance of water, salts, and minerals, uh, most notably sodium, potassium, calcium, and phosphorus all four very, very important uh, elements in our body and how our bodies function. Your kidneys also make hormones that will control your blood pressure, that make red blood cells, and that keep your bones strong and healthy. So, you know, just based upon that, we can really say that the kidneys are the unsung hero um, of the body and how it functions when it functions properly. We all talk about the brain and the heart and the lungs, and of course those things are, are all important, of course, because one can't really work without the other. And um, we kind of overlook the kidneys a little bit, in, in my personal opinion. So let's talk about some symptoms of kidney disease. Now, of course, these are very generalized symptoms, and not everyone that experiences uh, kidney disease 
will experience any or all of these symptoms, right? Um, so, you know, some of the symptoms of kidney disease are trouble sleeping, fatigue, an inability to concentrate, dry or itchy skin, an increase or decrease in urination, blood in the urine, foamy or frothy urine, puffiness around your eyes, foot or ankle swelling, reduced appetite, and muscle cramps. Again, this is just a general list, um, but if you are experiencing any of these symptoms, it may be worthwhile to um, go and see a doctor and have that evaluated just to make sure that everything is okay. Because of course, you can experience any one of these symptoms for a varied uh, number of reasons, um, not necessarily having kidney disease, but of course with all diseases, if you can have an early detection or even prevention, then of course you'll have a better outcome. So, some tips for having healthy kidneys. Uh, number one, you can avoid salt or extra salt. Um, exercise is also going to be good. Staying hydrated is helpful as well. Uh, using medications with caution, particularly your NSAIDs or your non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Um, the main star of the NSAID family, of course, is Motrin or ibuprofen. Um, and that can, with overuse, can have uh, dangerous consequences for your kidneys. Um, and also it's important, not just with kidney disease, but with all disease processes, to know your risk factors. So for example, if you have a risk factor for diabetes, um, or diabetes is a risk factor for kidney disease, obesity is a risk factor, existing hypertension or high blood pressure, uh, is a risk factor and of course family history always plays a part because there are some genetic or familial uh, diseases um, uh, that affect the kidneys that you know our genetics are what they are and we can't do much to change them but of course armed with knowledge we can always um, effect some type of change. So. When we talk about chronic kidney disease, um, according to the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Disease, about 12 to 14 percent of the population in the United States is affected by kidney disease. Um, about 661,000 people have some form of kidney failure, uh, and I'm sure Dr. Cruz will uh, tell us about the different types of kidney failure that you can have. Um, about of those 661,000, 468,000 are on dialysis and 193,000 are requiring, um, will require a kidney transplant. Uh, compared with Caucasians, uh, the prevalence of kidney disease is 3.7 times increased in African Americans. 1.4 times increased in Native Americans, and 1.5 times increased in Asian Americans. Um, of course, the kidney, like any other organ, can be affected by cancer as well. Uh, kidney cancer occurs most often in patients who are older. It is more common in men compared with women. It is more common in populations of color. 
there is a 2% overall lifetime risk in men of developing kidney cancer and about a 1% overall lifetime risk of developing kidney cancer in women. The good news about kidney cancer is the survival rate. Um, it is when the kidney, when kidney cancer is localized, which means before it spreads to other organs, uh, the five-year survival rate is about 93%, which is amazing. Um, and what that says is that if you are diagnosed with kidney cancer today, and it is localized, there's a 93% chance that five years from now, all things being equal, you will be alive, meaning that your kidney cancer will not have killed you. Now, that's not to say that other things won't, but the kidney cancer will not be the culprit. So today is a special show um, for me, and I'd like to dedicate this to a very, very special friend, and I hope that she is listening. She is recently diagnosed with kidney disease and uh, requires a kidney transplant uh, and is actively in process um, of finding, of getting on the list and you know going through the whole process of how to get a kidney transplant. So Mrs. Smith, it is her birthday today also, so I wanna wish you a very, very happy birthday and know that we are supporting you and praying for you and all others who are uh, in need of organ donation. Um, that is something that Dr. Cruz and I will talk about um, during her segment uh, because it is something that is very important that we know about and support um, because there may come a time when we will know someone um, who is in need of organ transplantation and we will need to know how we can help that person or how we can help someone that we don't know. Um, you know, a lot of the times we take very good organs to heaven with us and um, we can use those here on earth. And we will talk about ways in which we can support organ donation um, and those who are waiting for organs. But just um, in these last few minutes before we take our commercial break, um, I will talk to you about organ transplant. So currently in the United States, there are about 110,000 people who are waiting for an organ transplant be that uh, kidney, eyes, different components um, of the eye, um, heart, lung, liver, pancreas. So 110,000 is the whole pot. Um, and I didn't have good data um, of how many of those 110,000 are waiting on a particular organ, um, particularly the kidney, but hopefully Dr. Cruz can uh, shed some light on that. There are several registries um, so I'll give you a few websites if you want to go and look and get more information. Uh, the first is UNOS, U-N-O-S. It is the United Network of Organ Sharing, and they can be found at UNOS.org, U-N-O-S.org. There's also the National Kidney Foundation, which can be found at kidney.org, and the National Kidney Registry, which is uh, found at kidneyregistry.org. Org. There is also DonateLife.net, which is a very good uh, website for getting information in general um, about organ donation and how you can help or if you are in need of an organ, um, how you can access resources. Uh, locally, uh, Emory University and Piedmont Hospital are organ 
donor hospitals where they perform these procedures. So we are very, very fortunate here in Atlanta that we have such wonderful health institutions uh, that are providing this literally life-saving service. Well, it is now time for a commercial break, and when we come back, we will have our very, very first guest, Dr. Deidre Cruz. I'm so excited to talk with her and to share her with you. So we'll be back after this break. This is Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I'm Dr. Carissa. Thanks for listening. This is fashion designer Edmund Newton. I'd like to tell you about Enmas.com. Enmas.com is my only source for non-surgical cloth masks. I've teamed up with Enmas.com to create and design a collection of limited edition masks. These masks are washable, reusable, breathable, and most importantly, fashionable. Shop online now at Enmas.com. That's E-N-M-A-S-K-S.com for quality masks made in America. Just for Pets Wellness Center reminds old-fashioned health listeners and pet owners to never leave pets unattended inside a parked vehicle, not even for a quick errand. Temperatures can rise to dangerous levels fast. Visit our website for more information at www.just4petsfl.vet or give us a call at 239-270-5721. Rejuvenation for youthfulness and beauty is trending worldwide. People are getting laser hair removal, Botox, dermal fillers, skin brightening, tightening, lifting, and reshaping. SmartPlex ATL, a comprehensive medical spa located in East Cobb, 4799 Old Town Parkway. You can also visit us online at SmartPlexATL.com. Dr. Alexander and his team enjoy pampering you while you receive customized treatments in a beautiful, calming, zen-like atmosphere. SmartPlex ATL, we are your Hollywood destination for exciting, youthful rejuvenation. Hey folks, Handsome Josh is here to reveal some big news to all the AM1100 listeners. I have an app. That's right, you can now check out all your favorite programs right here on The Real with The Real 1100 app. Whether it's sports, entertainment, or lifestyle, The Real 1100 definitely has you covered. So why don't you just tell me how much it's going to cost me? And here's the best part. It's available in your Google Play or Apple App Store, and it's free to download. Actually, you can count me in on this one. So download The Real 1100 app today and stay in tune with The Real. Good morning, Atlanta. This is Dr. Carissa Hines with Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. And we have our first guest who will be coming on the line shortly. But before I introduce you, let me tell you a little bit about this phenomenal uh, physician. We have today our very first guest, Dr. Deidre Cruz. 
M-D-S-C-M-F-A-S-N-F-A-C-P. So that tells you that she has done quite a bit of work and has been recognized uh, for that work um, by different societies. So let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Cruz. Dr. Cruz is a board-certified nephrologist and associate professor of medicine in the Division of Nephrology at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. She holds appointments with the School of Nursing, the Welsh Center for Prevention, Epidemiology and Clinical Research, the Center for Prevention, excuse me, the Center on Aging and Health, and the Center for Health Equity, where she is Associate Director for Research Development. Her research focuses on addressing disparities in the care and outcomes of kidney disease and hypertension. An elected member of the American Society for Clinical and Dr. Cruz has received numerous awards for her research contributions, including the 2018 Johns Hopkins University President's Frontier Award, a $250,000 award granted to a single faculty scholar on the cusp of transforming their field. She is a National Academy of Medicine Emerging Leader Scholar and was the inaugural Gilbert S. Omen Anniversary Fellow of the NAM. In 2019, Dr. Cruz received the W. Lester Henry Award for Diversity and Access to Care from the American College of Physicians and the Distinguished Leader Award from the American Society of Nephrology. She received her undergraduate degree from the University of Virginia, Wahua, and her medical degree from St. Louis University. Dr. Cruz completed internal medicine residency, nephrology fellowship, and a master's in clinical epidemiology degree at Johns Hopkins. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, it is my esteemed pleasure and honor to introduce to you my friend, Dr. Deidre Cruz. Dr. Cruz, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, good morning, good morning. I am going to say this. So I will tell our listeners, Dr. Cruz and I go way, way back. Way back. <laughs> to our days as undergraduates at the University of Virginia. And I will say that I am incredibly proud uh, to know Dr. Cruz. Because when I think back to where we were when we were very young girls with ambitions and dreams and hopes and such things. And now to see us 20 plus years later doing the things that we dreamed of doing all those years. It just fills my heart so much um, to know such an incredible person. And I want to thank you uh, for all the work that you do on behalf of kidney disease. Uh, you know, I just know that the research that you do is just going to save thousands and thousands of lives and improve uh, the lives of families and communities um, all across this country. And, and that is just awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, you're very kind. That the pride goes both ways. I'm very, very proud of you and all that you're you've done and that you're doing. So I'm really excited to be with you today. Thank you so much. All righty, Dr. Cruz. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, there were some questions that uh, were sent in, and I sent those to you because I don't like to ambush people with with questions. I like for people to be somewhat prepared. So our first question: How do you know you have kidney disease? Yeah, so, you know, that's something that, that's a question that a lot of people wonder about. Um, and the good news is, uh, for most of us that have um, a primary care clinician that, it, that we see on a regular basis, we've probably had at least uh, one of the tests that are necessary for determining if you have kidney disease, and that's a, a blood test called the creatinine. Um, and that 
that um, test helps us to determine how good the kidneys are doing at um, clearing the blood um, of toxins, like you, you talked about in your uh, opening. Um, but really importantly, another test is important uh, to tell if a person has um, kidney disease and can actually uh, often pick up kidney disease when it's early, um, uh, and that gives us more opportunity to, to try to keep it from getting worse, and that is a urine test. And so that's a test for... Um, seeing if the kidneys are leaking a tiny protein um, uh, in, into the urine. Um, uh, that protein is called albumin. Um, the kidneys under normal conditions should not leak protein. Um, and so if they are, that can uh, signal that a person is uh, starting to have some early signs of kidney disease. And sometimes we, we discover that protein in the urine even when people have um, kind of more, more advanced uh, kidney disease. So those two tests, blood and urine. So um, just going further with Dr. Cruz, um, because, of course, you know, kidney disease has been called uh, the silent disease because a lot of the times you don't feel bad until the disease is very, very much so advanced and, and has other manifestations. Is that right, Dr. Cruz? Yeah. You know, um, most people, so the overwhelming majority of people who have kidney disease actually don't have symptoms. Um, and so... Um, uh, when we do start to see people having symptoms, usually it's, it's pretty advanced disease. But the fact that, um, that uh, most people don't have symptoms uh, in many cases can, can lead us to not pick up on them having um, kidney disease until much later un unless a person you know, is getting screened for it with uh, that blood and urine test that I mentioned. So, um, so yeah, it can, it can be silent in many ways. It's, it's, it's sort of similar to high blood pressure or hypertension in that way. That a lot of people don't feel any um, symptoms of it. And so since you mentioned hypertension, I know that, uh, you know, a good focus of your research is on hypertension and kidney disease. Um, can you shed some light to our listeners about how those two things are related? Sure. So um, hypertension, it can be both a, a cause and a consequence of, of kidney disease. And by, the, by that, what I mean is we know that there are some people who uh, will have hypertension for um, many years and then can go on and, and develop kidney disease that's due to that hypertension. We also know that the reverse can happen, that some people who develop kidney disease for other reasons will, will also develop uh, hypertension or high blood pressure. Um, and that is because um, the kidneys uh, maintain our blood pressure um, in, in sort of a normal range for, for our bodies. And so there's a kind of kind of tight control that the kidneys uh, uh, keep the blood pressure um, under um, through the kidneys' effects on uh, salt and water um, uh, specifically. And so that's, that's the reason why they're, they're very, very um, interlinked with each other. And so it becomes really important to, to kind of address um, that high blood pressure, the, the hypertension, in order to um, try to prevent the uh, kidney disease. Perfect. And so the next question that uh, one of my listeners came out with, um, what can I do to prevent kidney disease? Yeah, so, um, so there, are, um, there are certain forms of kidney disease that we, we um, as of today, don't, don't know how yet to prevent, but there are some that we uh, have a good understanding of, of, of ways that people can prevent them. And so those are going to be those types of kidney disease that, that um, develop because of conditions that have to do with, with lifestyle. And so some of the things that come to mind, first off, would be um, thinking about diabetes. So, so diabetes in the United States, anyway, is the leading cause of kidney Around uh, four out of ten people who have kidney disease have it as a result of diabetes. 
And so when we think about diabetes, um, you know, we've been trying to uh, prevent diabetes um, it, where, where it can be prevented. Um, so thinking about, you know, uh, living a, um, an active lifestyle where, where uh, we're being physically active, um, also um, following a healthy diet rich in fruits and vegetables, um, for example, and, and not in, in a lot of um, kind of uh, uh, complex carbohydrates like uh, breads and, and, and wheat, um, that can help us to maintain a healthy weight and um, for many people um, lower the chances that they might develop diabetes. Um, and that is a way to, to that's one way to try to um, lower your chances of developing kidney disease. Uh, we know actually that some of those same lifestyle um, habits actually even even uh, separate from diabetes um, can actually have a positive impact on the kidneys and, and uh, reduce the chances that a person would develop kidney disease. Um, and those things also tie in closely with um, preventing either developing uh, hypertension and also controlling hypertension if, if um, a person does have hypertension. Um, those those uh, things such as Physical activity and um, and following a healthy diet also play a huge role in managing high blood pressure, which helps us to um, uh, reduce our risk of kidney disease. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And so one of my listeners from Sandy Springs, Georgia, asked, he submitted two questions. Um, the first question is, um, I have kidney disease. Uh, if I have anemia, should I take iron supplement? So thanks for that question. So, um, so the kidneys, among their functions, um, the kidneys also do make uh, a hormone that actually helps us to maintain a normal um, blood count, so to, to prevent us from developing anemia. And so, for many people who have uh, chronic kidney disease, they may develop anemia. Um, in some cases, that anemia also is a result of their iron levels being low, and so. Um, uh, taking an iron supplement would be indicated, but in other people, it's actually not because of the iron uh, levels being low. It's it's because of the kidneys not being able to make that hormone. And so, what I would suggest would be to, to um, mention that with your uh, your doctor and and have them uh, maybe check uh, to see if if your iron levels are low. Very good. And his next question was, what types of foods should I avoid since I have kidney disease? Yeah, so um, that's that's a, a, a kind of a, a difficult one to answer um, about a specific person. It's hard. It's hard to kind of um, provide a full full range answer for that because it sure. depends. Um, yeah, it depends on kind of the the uh, stage of kidney disease that that a person is in. So for someone who has um, kind of a mild degree of kidney disease, so we kidney disease has five stages. Is the way we sort of think of it. With um, stage one being the the, um, the least severe or the mildest form, and then stage five being the most severe, which is when uh, the stage where we would be referring a person to get either a transplant, which is the optimal therapy for, for um, kidney failure, um, or uh, we'd be referring them to start kidney dialysis. And so depending on where a person falls in that range and depending on how their kidneys are doing in terms of um, uh Maintaining the uh, the mineral um, balance in their body, then then their the recommendations for their diet would uh, would vary. But I would say that um, for most people, particularly people who have the milder forms of kidney disease, some of those same uh, recommendations that we would give to people with hypertension apply. So mm -hmm. eating a, following a, a diet that is um, low in um, 
in, in salt, so low in sodium in particular, mm-hmm. and then one that's high in fruits and vegetables. Um, we, I don't think, talk enough in the, in the medical community about the importance of, a, of, of making sure that people are ideally getting in five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. And that can be difficult when you have uh, situations, particularly now, the economic impact of yeah. the, the COVID-19, um, but then also people that live in food deserts and have food insecurity, that it can be very, very difficult. And I'll add, very expensive to eat yeah. healthy nowadays, which is which is tremendously unfortunate. Speaking of... Yeah. Oh, sorry, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, that that's an area that I work in, um, and this, this issue of, of, of thinking about food insecurity, uh, which is the um, inability to um, afford nutritionally adequate food, um, and, and also the, it, food deserts and how they show up when we think about some of the causes of some of the disparities we see in kidney disease. And so, for sure, those are, those are major challenges. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly. And so since we mentioned, um, you know, the current times now, are there any COVID-19 manifestations that show up in the kidneys? Because what what we're seeing now is that COVID-19 is just kind of wrecking shop. It's not staying just in the lungs. It's affecting pretty much every organ system. But I haven't really heard myself about any um, manifestations that apply to just the kidney. Any insight on that? Yeah, so we, we are learning. It seems like every day we're learning right. we're learning new things. So there's a there's a couple of things I'd say about this. So one is that um, for people who who have um, COVID nineteen infection and end up being uh, quite ill from it and uh, may end up being hospitalized as a result of it, what we are seeing is that uh, a substantial number of those people are actually developing new injury to their kidneys or what we call acute kidney injury, mm-hmm. um, and so they. Um, are in some cases even having to get uh, dialysis um, in order to, to, to um, support them in the, in the context of their uh, COVID-19 infection. We also um, have, uh, there are some, some uh, studies that are coming out looking at um, kind of the long-term impact uh, that we may see because COVID-19 actually can affect the blood vessels. Mm-hmm. And so similar to how we're seeing some effects on uh, you know the the vessels of the of the lungs uh, that supply the lungs and 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 effects on the heart um, because the kidneys are are made up of these tiny little blood vessels um, there is some work ongoing that, that is actually showing that it seems like there's some damage that can be done um, inside of the kidneys uh, to those blood vessels um, as a result of COVID. Mm-hmm. So again, just showing how all of the body systems are interconnected and what happens and what affects one one system, for example, the circulatory system, your blood vessels, how that can manifest itself in a totally different organ, uh, being the kidneys or the heart or the lungs, um, all of those things. So we are all, what happens inside our body is pretty amazing at how everything kind of just maintains a balance when it all works well and when it all works normally. Um, But when one thing goes wrong, it is also amazing to see the manifestations and the sequela that can happen um, in other organs, which really just kind of underlies that interdependence that one system has on the other. Next question, Dr. Cruz. Um, We talked about stage five kidney disease and the recommendation for either organ transplant uh, or dialysis. And so I'm going to ask you a question on each. Um, What is the impact of dialysis on one's overall health, and how long can you maintain on dialysis? 
Yeah, so thanks for that question. So, so um, maybe first I think it's important to think about the different types of dialysis that we um, can offer. So Please share. Um, people, yeah, people, people with um, who developed kidney failure can, um, can dialyze in a center um, or they can dialyze at home. And so um, probably most of us um, uh, probably know someone who has uh, received dialysis at a center. So usually those are people that are going to go in three times a week and they're going to um, have uh, their, their bloodstream uh, connected to a machine um, uh, and they're going to have a treatment that lasts about, for most people, around four hours, three and a half to four hours. And mm-hmm. they, they do that, as I mentioned, three times a week. And then, so that's that's referred to as in-center hemodialysis, and so that's um, that's what many of us have heard of. That same type of treatment, though, that blood type of dialysis, the hemodialysis, can be done in the home, um, and um, usually for those people, they do those treatments, but they're shorter, and they do them four or five times a week at their own home, um, the four four or five days out of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also a type of dialysis that uses the of the of the belly, the fluid of the, of the abdomen, um, to uh, clear the body of toxins, and that type of dialysis is called peritoneal dialysis, and that is also done at home, um, and that's done uh, uh, each day. So for people who are doing that treatment, they do um, uh, what we refer to as exchanges um, on a daily basis. So I mentioned those three types um, because I think when we think about the impact that the uh, that dialysis can have on the body, I think it does depend on which type of dialysis a person is on. Um, and we, we um, strongly recommend that, that uh, uh, people with kidney failure are given the information about these different types so they can choose which type um, matches up best with the life that they want to live. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we know that um, when, when that treatment is well-matched with the life that they want to live, then people tend to do better as far as how they're feeling uh, their ability to uh, um, do the things that they want to do, whether it's work or go to school or um, uh, spend time with their family, um, that all of that is, is sort of interrelated to, to how people are feeling on these different treatments. Right. Yeah, oftentimes in the ER, I'll see people who are traveling um, and have kidney disease and for whatever reason have not done all of the coordinating steps that are required to uh, let someone know in the place where you're going that, you know, I'll need to have these services. And then they end up in the emergency room with fluid overload and shortness of breath and swelling and such things. Um, what tips can you give our listeners or even those with kidney disease that should they decide to travel, what steps should they take to make sure that they can continue their care in the place where they're going? Yeah, so it does It does require um, a bit of planning. And so, um, you know, making sure that uh, depending on which type of uh, in the case for people who are treated with dialysis, making sure that um, that if they are dialyzing usually in a center, that they coordinate with the, the center that they would be able to get dialysis at in the location where they're traveling to. And that can be done really, um, you know, particularly pre-COVID, before our uh, right. travel restrictions, right? right. Um, that can be done all over the world. Um, and um, and so that that's an important thing. And then for those that are dialyzing at home, uh, typically, then making sure that those supplies that they may need to be able to continue those those treatments um, at their location that they're traveling to is also important. So sometimes people will have to have things shipped to a hotel or a family member's home that they may be staying with ahead of time in order to prep for when they're visiting. 
and if there are, and I'll, I'll piggyback on that, if you are traveling and there are supplies that you can carry with you, um, mm-hmm. those need to be in a carry-on bag because the worst thing that you would have happen is that you've had this in your checked bag and your checked bag is somewhere where you are yeah. not. Yeah. Um, yeah. That can be a very scary situation. Now, our, my last question for you, or one of my last questions for you, um, is talking about dialysis. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, I have a very dear friend who was recently diagnosed um, with FSGS um, and has been recommended for uh, dialysis, excuse me, for a transplant. And so, you know, in talking with her, I myself have learned a tremendous amount about um, the process um, of getting an organ, um, and can you speak to that and elaborate a little bit more about about that process? I know it's quite involved and, you know, would take longer than, than the time that we have, but just some highlights as to, you know, how involved that process is. Sure. So, um, so as I mentioned, um, transplantation or, you know, receiving a new kidney uh, from, from a donor is the optimal. It's the very best uh, treatment that we have to offer for people who develop uh, kidney failure. And so, um, so I'll mention two things. So that, that type of kidney can come from either uh, someone who has passed away um, or it can come from uh, someone who is alive and, and has, uh, is giving one of their kidneys to someone who, who needs a kidney. We, we, can, we can live uh, perfectly fine uh, with just one kidney. And so um, for, for many people, um, if they are interested in becoming a kidney donor, um, then, then they should definitely think about doing that because you can certainly live with one kidney. So that's one plug for donation there. Um, uh, but as far as the, the process of getting listed for uh, receiving a, a kidney transplant, so there are certain um, tests that uh, a person has to undergo in order to make sure that it would be safe for them to undergo the surgery that's involved for, um, for uh, receiving a new kidney. Um, and those include uh, tests that check on the status of their heart um, and their lungs as well. Um, and then there are some blood tests that, that they have to undergo. For most people, the process of kind of getting evaluated for receiving a kidney transplant takes about six months mm-hmm. um, to, to sort of complete all of those tests. Um, similarly, uh, for people who want to donate a kidney, the process for um, for uh, undergoing the test to make sure that it's safe for them to donate. So, right, so thinking about, you know, making sure that if they give a kidney, um, that that's not going to set them up to um, be it, have a high chance of developing a need for a kidney in the future, right? right. So making sure that they don't have um, other health conditions that would uh, uh, mean that they shouldn't donate a kidney. So that process also takes about six months. Um, but then from there, um, for, uh, the, for the person that's needing to receive a kidney, they get uh, placed on a waiting list mm-hmm. um, to uh, if, if they are going to be waiting for a kidney from someone who has passed away, especially. And that, depending on a number of different factors, that can take years. Um, uh, it can be anywhere from two to five years, I would say, on average, as far as the length of time that people wait uh, to receive a kidney from someone who has passed away. And so during that waiting period, are people doing dialysis while they're waiting to get a kidney or? Yeah, so um, for many of them, yes, they would be doing dialysis, although there are some people who do get um, a kidney before needing dialysis. Mm-hmm. So um, so we call that a preemptive uh, kidney transplant. And so um, and often those are people who identified a living donor um, who, who can provide a kidney for them. And so um, gotcha. we time that, and then they, 
they don't uh, ever need to, to, init- to initiate dialysis. And for the donor, what lifestyle changes uh, need to take place for them after they donate a kidney? Because, of course, you know, now that they've donated, they have the one, and so you have to take steps to make sure that you keep that one running optimally. What what kind of steps would they have to do or lifetime, lifestyle modifications um, would they need to employ after they have donated? Yeah, so so great question. So that and that, this is kind of an active area of uh, of um, study. So hmm. to try to understand how we can better um, support donors. Um, most donors um, are just by nature of them being found to be a good candidate to donate are really healthy. Mm-hmm. Like they they don't have diabetes, they don't have high high blood pressure or hypertension, they don't have heart disease. So so generally they're the chances of them going on and developing a need for a kidney themselves is really low. Okay. Right? And so, Good to know. But I would say the, the things that they could do uh, relate a lot to some of the other earlier things we talked about. So thinking about lifestyle, uh, things that they could, they could do as far as physical activity and, and following a healthy diet um, to protect that remaining kidney that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally they do quite well um, after donating. And donors, I'll say, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Cruz, once they have recovered from their donation, can go back to their lives as they were. They can participate in all of their activities, or are there activities that they cannot or should not participate in? Yeah, so I think similar to um, what what is the recommendation for people who may have um, you know lost a kidney for other reasons, like through trauma or something that they you know contact sports might not be the best idea um, out of a for if you know if they had an injury to that remaining kidney, um, there would be concern. And then we generally don't recommend that that people who've donated one kidney would go on to you know take some of these medications that you highlighted in your opening segment um, that we know can cause, um, particularly when taken chronically, mm-hmm. can cause injury to the kidneys, like those non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medicines like you know ibuprofen mm-hmm. and and the others. Very good, very good. And so in our closing minutes, Dr. Cruz, anything that you would like to um, add to our discussion today? Yeah, well, I, I would just add that I um, appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to, to, to um, share with, um, with your guests today and um, would invite everyone to um, really try to help us get the word out about um, kidney disease. Um, it's, it's just a condition that for sure... Um, has had a profound impact on a number of communities of color in particular, um, mm-hmm. uh, but yet we don't spend enough time talking about it. And I think the more that we do talk about it and learn about it, then we can, we can advocate for um, more work to be done to try to help us to, to um, improve um, how people are doing as far as uh, when we look at these, these really uh, profound disparities that we see Exactly, exactly. And I most certainly will will use my platform and raise my voice to uh, continually raise awareness of these issues so that we can be informed and we can be empowered uh, and and take steps to help ourselves and and help our our fellow man. All right, we're going to go to commercial, but I am going to take this opportunity, Dr. Cruz, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so, so very much for being our very, very first guest. Um, And thank you for 
lending your expertise in these 30 minutes um, and talking with our audience. Um, I, I have been enriched by it, and I hope my listeners have been as well. And so we're going to continue to wish good things for you. I know based upon your your bio that there are awesome and great things ahead of you in your future, you and your research team up at Hopkins, and we wish you all the best. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be your first guest, and I'm looking forward to the subsequent episodes. Thank you so much. (laughs) I appreciate that. You take care, and wahoo wah. Wahoo wah. Take care. All righty. All righty, folks, that was a wonderful, wonderful conversation with Dr. Cruz. I hope you got more than enough information about kidney disease and kidney health and how you can help yourself and get yourself evaluated and take steps to um, make things better for yourself uh, or to improve your health if you have kidney disease. Uh, we will be right back at the end of this uh, at the end of this break. We'll see you on the other side. This is Dr. Carissa with Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Life happens, and when it does, the law firm of Althea DeBar Johnson, PC, and Tamara Wood is the law firm people turn to for planning and managing their legal affairs and protecting their current and future assets. The firm specializes in wealth protection through legal services that include estate planning, probate administration, and guardianship. This law firm promises to be truthful and honest, provide personalized attention, and they are focused on results that best suit your needs. For a consultation, contact them today at 404-584-5555 or visit them on the web at adjpclaw.com. The law firm of Althea DeBar Johnson, PC, and Tamara Wood helping you plan for today and for the future so you can get on with the business of living. always changing. That's why it's important to stay connected. The latest news, the latest entertainment, the newest music. If it's in the air or on the air, it can be in the palm of your hand, wherever you are, with the iHeartRadio app. iHeartRadio. Over 1,500 live radio stations from across the country and over 15 million songs to create your own custom stations. Text IHR to 45495 to download the app or listen at iHeartRadio.com. Standard text and data rates apply. This is Alvin. And this is Edmund. On the Old Fashioned Health Show. Tune in each Friday from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. And listen to us live on iHeartRadio or the Real 1100 app. Where we talk about healthy information, products, and or services. And get some old school music in on the Real 1100. back. We are back. This is Dr. Carissa Hines, and you are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. We have just finished an awesome conversation with Dr. Deidre Cruz, a nephrologist associated with the Johns Hopkins uh, University Medical Center, uh, talking about kidney disease and how kidney disease uh, and hypertension are related. Um, One of the last things that we talked about, if you missed it, was talking about uh, organ donation awareness. As I said earlier, and I'll just recap in these final minutes that we have together, that there are approximately 110,000 people who are um, 
in the United States waiting on an organ uh, organ donation. Um, and most of the times and every time I would say, um, this organ transplant is a life-saving thing. So um, to donate an organ, you are actually donating life. And that is an, an amazing gift that you can give to another human being. Um, and of course, you know, we have some reservations around organ donation. And I think a lot of that is um, due to a lack of knowledge and perhaps a little bit of fear. Um, and so I hope that today's conversation has been helpful in overcoming those fears and in giving you a little bit more information about how important it is, how it can be done, and how your life can be um, I won't say lesser impacted, but how you can have your normal life even if you give an organ. Um, of course, you know, as Dr. Cruz highlighted, um, there can be um, a deceased donor uh, donation as well. And I will point out that in most states when you get your driver's license, you can indicate on that driver's license if you wish to be an organ donor. Um, and I encourage you all to um, to check yes to be an organ donor um, because of course um, you know whatever higher power you believe in and if you believe in a heaven um, you know Jesus is going to recognize you once you get to heaven even if you don't have those kidneys or you don't have your cornea or your heart because he knows your soul um, and so please if you can leave those organs here on earth with us because there are tons and tons of people uh, who can use them. And again, if you want to um, go to uh, several sites to get more information about organ donation, um, we have again uh, UNOS, U-N-O-S, the United Network of Organ Sharing, and they can be found at UNOS.org, the National Kidney Foundation at kidney.org, the National Kidney Registry at kidneyregistry.org. There is also donatelife.net. And locally here in Atlanta, Emory um, has a website as well, uh, emory.donorscreen.org. And I will place these, um, these organizations and links to them uh, on our Facebook page, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, so that you can uh, click and, and research further. Um, share with your loved ones, uh, have those conversations with your family members if you wish to be an organ donor so that if ever there's a moment where you can't speak for yourself, someone who knows can speak for you and, and can extend your life by helping someone else to extend theirs. So that is all that I have for you today. And we're going to close, um, you know, like we did last week um, with our vitamin C. So here's a quote from a Mr. Brian Tracy. Uh, make your life a masterpiece. Imagine no limitations on what you can be, have, or do. And, you know, I chose that quote today um, because once we are faced with a chronic issue, uh, chronic illness, excuse me, um, there are lots of limitations that come with that. Uh, so, for example, limitations on diet, limitations on your time. Um, for example, if you are on dialysis, that can be 
a huge limitation in terms of the amount of time that you have to dedicate to that treatment. And that has consequences on the other things that you may wish to do uh, in your life. But no matter what the limitations are, your life can still be the masterpiece that you envision. Um, We just have to take the challenges as they come, um, make the modifications that we need to, and continue to go forth. Uh, That has been uh, your vitamin C for this week. Have you been looking for a radio station that gives you sports? I don't believe it. It's a touchdown. Entertainment. Are you not entertained? And other special interest talk shows. Well, isn't that special? All on one app. Yo, that's dope. What app is that? It's the real 1100 AM app for WWE. Grab it for free in your Google Play or Apple App Store today. them stay healthy wash your hands don't touch your eyes nose or mouth and cover coughs and sneezes clean and disinfect the objects you touch often like your phone the remote and doorknobs avoid close contact with people who are sick and if you're the one who's sick stay home this station is part of the beasley best community of caring and we care about your family for more info visit cdc.gov covid-19 We're back from the break. This is Dr. Carissa uh, of Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Just a a program plug. Um, I hope you will join us this afternoon where I will be uh, with my good friends Alvin and Edmund on the old-fashioned radio show uh, doing a COVID-19 update. Um, Of course, as we have seen more states uh, having these explosions in COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations, of course, that is an important conversation uh, that we need to continue Um, And as it is almost mid-July, and I can't believe how much this year is flying by, the conversation um, most certainly has turned to what's going to happen next month when it's time for these children to go back to school. Will they go back to school? Will they be distance learning? Will there be um, some hybridization of those those two options? Uh, And so I hope that you all will tune in with us. Uh, My segment airs at 3.30 p.m. here on Real 1100. Uh, And we will have that discussion. All righty. Once again, I am so honored and blessed and thankful that you all uh, have joined us uh, this week. Uh, Tune in next week. And let me see, who do we have coming up with us next week? Because I was so excited about talking with Dr. Cruz that I did not look to see what was happening next week. But let's see. Do we have we have a, a schedule that is is really coming up um, with um, great topics um, for next week. Oh yes, next week is going to be a good one, a good one. Um, we will be talking with Dr. Tamara Johnson 
um, and we will be talking about uh, physical therapy and joint health. Um, I am excited to have her on the show as well. And I'm looking at the rest of the, of the month, and there this this month is just going to be amazing. This just continues to to blow my mind. And you know, when I've asked people um, to help me with this show, um, immediately they have said yes. And that is just such a wonderful thing that people see your vision and want to support it. And so to all of my guests that are are coming up, I am excited to talk with you and just grateful uh, for your generosity with your time. All righty. I think we are wrapping up for this week. And I hope that you all have a happy and blessed and safe week. Uh, Remember to continue to social distance, wash your hands, wear a mask and be safe. Until next week. I am Dr. Carissa Hines, and you have been listening with me, and I thank you for that, listening with, um, with me at Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Have a great week, everybody. This is Dr. Carissa. Thanks for joining me this week on Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Join me next week for more comfortable yet in-depth conversation. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to another Old Fashioned Health Network show on The Real 1100.